Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Pat, how are you feeling about the snow right now? Ugh, I hate it. Yes, we are in the middle of another snow apocalypse here in the upstate 607 region of New York. But fear not, we are still bringing the heat, talking to you about the latest happenings in the world of sports, and we definitely want to interact with you. So make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on the social media accounts. They're all right there. Check out the T Public Store. Check out the Patreon link. One tier, $2 a month, and a lot of content on the way. The blog section on Parlay Points. The classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, Dragon Master Games. The directory, which, Pat, how many providers are we on? 228,000. Sounds about right to me. The music section. Basically, if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media to use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off this edition of the show... It is a very, very big weekend for the UFC. Mm-hmm. And one of its biggest stars and most controversial, we have to be honest about that, is making their return to the octagon in the main event. There's a lot to process going on with UFC 285 hailing out of the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas this weekend. Mm-hmm. But, Pad, who is the star that is returning? That is the one, the only, the notorious... John Bones Jones. Yes, John Jones, who had been on pace to be the greatest of all time. In some people's eyes, he is. Yeah. And it's a very fair argument. I'm not going to take anything away from that. He is returning now at a bigger weight class after some time off due to... Reasons. Reasons is the easiest way. I was going to say, we can't get into all the laundry list of issues that have derailed his career for where it should be in mixed martial arts. So there is an entire section on his Wikipedia page if you wish to peruse it. Gonna warn you, though, it's fairly lengthy. Uh, just look for the section that is titled Controversies. Yes. And then right underneath it, you can read about the additional stuff, which is uh, failed drug tests. That, he, that'll catch you up. Yeah, there's a lot that has really put an asterisk by John's career as he's been uh, obvi- obviously the most dominant fighter, I think, in UFC history. Oh, yeah. But unfortunately, we have to keep that in perspective when we are talking about him. And it's a situation that we're hoping now he's back on the right track, but only time will tell as we see coming up this week. Mm -hmm. But there still is a solid card going on that we have to break down. So, Pad, let's get into it for UFC 285. Yeah, so just a couple fights I want to mention because I'm looking at the fight card uh, on the preliminary rounds, uh, which are going to be on ESPN News and ESPN+. Plus. Uh, one of note is in the middleweight division, you've got Derek Brunson taking on Driscus Duplessis. Yeah, that's going to be a fun fight. Yeah. I think that's going to fly under some radars, but that's going to be a really fun fight. Yeah, and then uh, le- uh, main eventing the preliminary card in the bantamweight division, you've got Cody Garbrandt taking on Trevin Jones. If I am not mistaken, Jones is a 
late scra- or late replacement. Yes, I believe so. So uh, I forget who got scratched from this original fight, but this is going to be one that I, I think Jones can definitely pull something off. I know he's a plus one forty-five. Uh, uh, Julio Arce. Yes, was that's it, right. Uh, was expe- so reading from the Wikipedia page, uh, a bantamweight bout between the former UFC bantamweight champion Cody Garbrandt and Julio Arce uh, was expected to take place at the event. However, Arce withdrew in late January due to a knee injury and was replaced by Trevin Jones. Yeah, so this is going to be a real interesting test for Jones, and it's one I think it's very winnable for him. Sure. Cody Garbrandt is a literal one-trick fighter. <laughs> Pretty much. All he's got is hands. We have never seen him do any grappling of any memorable substance. We have never seen him win by submission. No. He's got some of the fastest hands in the bantamweight division, and he does fight very recklessly, which is good and bad depending on if he connects first or he gets hit first. Mm -hmm. And he's had some highlight moments on both sides of the fence there. So this could go either way. So that's why I say Jones might be the late addition for the scratch. But don't doubt him pulling something off because if you can put some pressure on Cody and get him against the cage and get him to the ground, you have a legit chance of beating him. Oh, yeah. It's just you have to weather that storm of Cody's boxing to get there. That's going to be the real test. Yeah. Uh, and then leading off on the main event or main event or main card, I should say, uh, in the middleweight division, you have a matchup between Bo Nicole and uh, Jamie Pickett. Well, this is one that I think a lot of people are going to be checking out. Uh, Nickel is one of the most highly talked about prospects in the UFC right now. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying he's on that Sage Northcut, Paige Van Zant type sure. hype train, but he's somebody that has came in in his fights and really set an early pace. He has been talking a lot um, about moving up those rankings. Pickett is a great test for him. I do like Nickel in this one. Sure. But this could honestly go either way. But when you're put in the bright lights of a pay-per-view and kicking off the main card, that is going to be a true test if he can handle it. This dude is going to be a submissive because he doesn't have many fights uh, in his professional mixed martial arts career. Only three. Uh, he's currently 3-0. and I uh, won two of his f- three fights via submission, uh, one with a triangle choke, the other with a rear naked choke, and then his uh, other win was by knockout. But this dude, clearly, if the two wins by submission weren't uh, a, a point to like look at, mm. clear this dude's going to be a submission machine because I'm looking, his NCAA record for wrestling, he was 120-3. and Yeah. Jesus Christ. And then in his freestyle record, including sometime some matches which he was trying out for the U.S. Olympic team, uh, he had a record of twenty-eight and ten. Mm-hmm. So this dude can clearly wrestle, and I think that's something you absolutely have to take into factor if you're uh, Jamie Pickett, who on the flip side in twenty-one professional matches has a record of thirteen wins, eight losses. Currently on a two-fight losing streak, lost uh, his last fight to uh, Dennis uh, Tullian via TKO. That was back at UFC 279 in September of last year. And then Kyle Dukakis uh, via uh, Barbaro Choke submission. That was at a fight night in uh, February of last year. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with kind of the unknown factor. I'm going to go with uh, uh, Bo Nicole. Yeah, I'm gonna, like I say, I think Nickel is going to do it. Uh, he's if, but if he wins quick, like that's going to be the interesting test here because we do know his wrestling, hailing from Penn State. Too. Hey, so he is somebody that I think is going to want to submit him early and get moving on, like almost in the same way that Chimaev caught fire. Sure, 
that if you can win quick, you win suddenly, you have fans talking, especially if you do it on a pay-per-view. And he has been saying he wants some top-level competition. He's very confident in his abilities, which, like I say, is a great thing to have in the UFC. You need to have that certain X factor if you want to go further. Sure. But is it too much too soon? That's why I say the Pickett fight is going to be interesting to see how he plays out. Because Pickett will give him some test, but it just depends. If he gets him a quick takedown and does something super fast, we're not going to really know where he stands. Mm-hmm. But if he can go into like the second round, right. I think we'll have a better understanding of what this kid's all about. Oh, yeah. Uh, next up is a lightweight division matchup between Mats Gamoro taking on uh, Helene Turner. Hmm. So this one, not really sure where we're going to go with this one, but obviously we're talking lightweights. You, you know, Gamrot, we've seen a, a few fights. Yeah. Turner is kind of working his way up the ranks, too. It's But when you say the lightweight division, it's like anything can go. Oh, yeah. Because it's the deepest division in all of mixed martial arts, period. Yeah. Like, if you think about it, the 155-pound division is loaded with the top-tier fighters in all of MMA. And this is not a shot against the heavyweights. This is not a shot against the light heavyweights. But this is just a pure fact. This has been the division for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And looking at the rankings, it's not going to slow down anytime soon. No. So your current lightweight champion is Islam Machekov. Uh, then your number one contender is Charles Oliveira. Two, Dustin Poirier. Three, Justin Gaethje. Uh, four, Benil Darush. Five, Michael Chandler. Uh, number six is Rafael uh, Fizev. Uh, Matsuts Germol is number seven. Uh, Arman uh, Tsutsukrin is number eight. Number nine is Rafael Dos Anjos. Number 10 is uh, Jelaine Turner. 11 is Dan Hooker. 12 is Demir uh, Ismoglov. Uh, 13 is Renato Moicano. 14, Drew Dober. And 15 is Grant Dawson. Yeah. It's a loaded lineup there at 155. So for this fight, I'm going to say Gamera, but I think this is going to be a decision. I, like, I think Turner is going to definitely take the step up in competition here and really run with it. I think it's going to be a, a true test to see where he is. But Gamrot is very, very solid. And I think that he's going to give him some problems early on. That's why I could see this going like Gamrot wins the first two rounds and then Turner winds up taking the third mm-hmm. in a situation like that. Like, I don't think it's going to be unanimous, but I think this is going to be a split. Uh, so looking at the records, uh, Gamrot in 24 professional matches has a record of 21 wins, two losses, one no contest. Currently on a one-fight losing streak, losing to Benil Darush via unanimous decision in his last fight that was back in October. Uh, prior to that, he was on a four-fight winning streak. Uh, beating the likes of Jeremy Stevens, notably, uh, Scott Holtzman, Carlos Diego Ferreira, and then Armand uh, Tsukarin. Uh, and then on the flip side, you've got uh, Jelaine Turner, who in 18 professional matches has a record of 13 wins, five losses, currently on a one, two, three, four, five fight winning streak, beating Brad Riddell in his last fight with a guillotine choke submission, uh, then uh, beating uh, Jamie uh, Malarkey, hilarious name, uh, with a via TKO. Uh, then fight prior to that, submission uh, with a rear naked choke, rear, another rear naked choke submission, and then a TKO. His last fight was to Matt uh, Frivola at UFC 236 way back on April 13th, 2019. I'm going to go with Turner. You know, I, th- I think it's a step up. I think it's a challenge for him. It's 
at least from the names I'm looking at, you know, the only name I recognize that he's fought is Vincente Luke, who mm-hmm. he lost to uh, back in 2018. You know, it's a step up, but I think he's going to step up to the occasion. Uh, and I and I agree with you, though. It's going to be split decision. Yeah, it's going to be split. Like I say, I could definitely see it going either way. I've seen Gamrot's been here before, but how Turner reacts, I mean, you never know. But it just it all depends. Like the seasoned veteran, especially his last loss was against Darush. I couldn't think of it when we were talking it the first time. Sure. But Darush is one of the top contenders right now for the belt. So that's no slight against Gamrot. Mm-hmm. But it just depends on how he wants to really take out Turner and if he's got to implement his game too. Turner, like I said, he can definitely do a lot, too. This, yeah. is, this is a very, very slept-on bout. I want yeah. to say that. Uh, next up is in the welterweight division, where you have Jeff Neal taking on Shavkat uh, Rachmanov. So, Pad, what is Shavkat's record? 8-0. Yep. He is one that has been on fire lately, and according to ESPN.com, he's basically 16-0 and from his prior fights with every one of his fights. A a even eight knockouts, eight submissions. I'll say, yeah, the dude has not had a fight go the distance ever. Yeah. On the flip side, Jeff Neal, who has been a mainstay in this division for quite some time. He's very solid. He does not get a lot of press. Uh, he's because he's not one of those real big trash talkers. Sure. But he's somebody there in there that it's like um, a Leon Edwards. Ah, okay. You know, that they go in, they're very technical. They're very solid in what they do. They really make sure that they are implementing their game plan. They don't stray from it too much. So Mm -hmm. in that situation, I think this is going to be a real test for Shavkat. Sure. I do like Shavkat in this, but I think it's not going to be a quick night for him. Sure. So that being said, I'm going to definitely take Shavkat. I'm going to do do the same thing uh, just because looking at uh, Jeff Neal's record, 19 professional matches, 15 wins, four losses, uh, currently on a two-fight winning streak, beating Vincente Luke in his last fight via KO. Uh, that was in August of last year, and then beating Santiago uh, Pronzabibo via split decision. That was back in December of 2021. Uh, his last fight came, the last loss, I should say, came to Neil Magny via unanimous decision back in May of 2021. Uh, listen, you know, I mean, you look at his losses, one by knockout, one by submission, two by decision. And then you look at what Shavkat's done, and this dude is just a monster. Not, uh, submission, knockout, submission, submission, knockout. Not like 16 fights, 16 wins, eight knockouts, eight submissions. The dude's fights don't last very long. I mean, he's the longest fight it looks like he's had based off of his record here on Wikipedia was for a, another federation in May of 2018 against a gentleman by the name of uh, Ferdin Odiloff, who he beat via TKO at three minutes and three seconds of the third round. Hmm. This dude's fights do not last long. Like, I'm seeing a lot of twos, a lot of ones, and that's pretty much it. That's the one lone third round fight this dude has fought. Yeah. So this fight ain't going to go long. Whether it's submission or t or knockout is well, it's going to be up to Shavkat. It definitely is. It just depends on how much Neil can weather the storm. And like I say, it's not an unwinnable fight for him, but it's going to be a real test of what he can do in weathering off Shavkat's offense. Like that's going to be the real test here. Could Neil sneak out a decision here? Could he pull out a, like a freak knockout? Absolutely, but I just don't see it happening. I think Shavkat's just got too many tools in the arsenal for him. Yeah. Uh, next up in the co-main event of the evening is for the UFC Women's Flyweight Championship, where Valentina Shevchenko is defending her belt against Alexa Grasso. Well, 
Shevchenko, pound for pound, one of the most dominant champions we've seen in the UFC. Uh-huh. Has absolutely dominated the, the flyweight division. And like I say, dominant is the easiest word to describe her in this division. There is nobody coming close to her in this division. No. It, the only fighter that she can't defeat is Amanda Nunez. Lost to her twice. It, like, literally. So she is in a very weird position, but it's not a bad position either. There's no way that she can move up with Nunez being champion. Nope. Because you're not going to make that fight a third time. Yeah. It's just like as much as fans might think it would work, I, it just doesn't because there's no real sense to do a trilogy bout. Plus, it's been six years. Yeah. Like, like if, if they were going to do a trilogy fight, they would have done it already. Well, I think that's the problem that they have right now is just when you have such dominant champions at the tops of your divisions, it's like who's next. Grasso is going to challenge her, and this is one that is not going to be exactly a clear-cut take my money now, cash it in on Shevchenko, the fight's done. Grasso is going to give her some problems. Just how many... And is it enough to get the belt off mm-hmm. of Shevchenko? Mm-hmm. Now, we have to note one thing. Shevchenko has not looked unbeatable in the last few fights. Sure. Uh, last fight was to uh, Talia Santos mm-hmm. back in June of last year where she won via split decision. Yeah, which was a big shock to everybody. So now it's a situation of Shevchenko is now making her eighth title defense, I believe. Uh, she's won nine in a row. Yeah. So... That being said, to have a belt that long is a real testament to her commitment to her skill and her craft. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be enough against Grasso? I got to go with the champion on this one, but I would say this. I'm not doubting Grasso pulling off an upset. I just think, though, if I'm going record to record, fight to fight, and when I've seen them both fight, yeah, Shevchenko... I think is learning from those mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I think that she's definitely going to implement her will here. I think this is going to be a unanimous decision. I don't know if this gets a finish, but I think this would be a, a real close mm-hmm. to five rounds as we're going to get. Shevchenko is a minus 610 compared to a plus 460 for Grasso. Mm. And I think that you got to go with the champion on this one. But it's not to say that we haven't seen upsets happen here. Yeah. Uh, so looking at records here is Shevchenko in 26 professional matches has a record of 23 wins, three losses. Uh, as I mentioned, nine fights. Uh, she's won nine fights in a row. Last loss was to Amanda Nunes the second time. That was in September 9th of 2017. Flip side, you've got Alexa Grasso, who in 18 professional matches has a record of 15 wins, three losses, currently on a uh, one, two, three, four fight winning streak, uh, beating the likes of Vivian Araujo uh, via unanimous decision in October of last year year joanne wood via rear naked choke submission in march of last year uh macy barber via unanimous decision in february of 2021 and then ji yan kim uh, via unanimous decision in august of 2020 uh her last loss was to carla esparza via majority decision in september on a fight night in september of 2019 i'm gonna say this i think alexa gives her a run for her money but the concerning thing for me is just looking at the breakdown of her wins. So she's got the 15 wins, four by knockout, one's by submission, ten are by decision. Yeah. And, and on the flip side, you look at Shevchenko, who in the 23 wins, eight are by knockout, seven are by submission, 
eight or by decision. Well, that's about as even a split as you can get. Mm-hmm. I think Alexa can hang with her, and I think Alexa will give her a run for her money. But unless we get some shenanigans with the judges and the scoring like we've seen in the past, I think uh, Shevchenko is going to wear her down, and then it'll be a unanimous decision win in the end. Yeah, Bar- d- Barring any batshit, you know, the ref was looking in a different direction, or not the ref, the judge was looking in a different direction at the pivotal moment of the fight. Yeah, like I, I fear this is going to be almost like a lay and pray type deal. Yeah, it could be. Because I, I think if, if Esparza was the one who gave Grasso the problems there, and that's all Esparza does is really wrestle. So you have to throw that in consideration. Right. And if you're Shevchenko, yeah, if you definitely want to try implementing some wrestling to really stop the striking, yeah, that's yeah. going to be a perfect way to do it. I Like I say, I just I can't go against the champion right now because I just I think this is one that Grasso's on the road there, but she's not there yet, in my opinion. But we'll have to see what happens on Saturday. But now we are at the main event mm-hmm. and the one that everybody's got their eyes on, Pad. Yeah, and that's uh, in the heavyweight division where we've got John Jones making his heavyweight division debut uh, going up against Cyril Gaon. Okay, so a couple quick notes before we get into the breakdown. The money line swung for this. Really? John Jones is now the favorite according to UFC.com. Mm. He is a minus 155. Okay. Gone, who opened as the favorite, is now a plus 135. Uh, Drake probably threw some money down. Yeah. Well, he, need, he needs to recoup his money he lost on the Paul Brothers. Exactly. Well, <laughs> that, yeah, that's a whole different ball of wax right there. But nevertheless... We now have John Jones returning to the cage after the extended time off and his now rise to the heavyweight division. Uh, extended time off to the tune of over 1,116 days. Yes. But in his time in the cage, he has beat a literal who's who of the light heavyweight division. He is quite arguably one of the most dominant fighters of all time, not named Habib Nurmagomedov. Yeah. Uh, 28 professional matches, 26 wins, one loss. Asterisk. Asterisk the shit out of that one. Yeah. And then one no contest. So the one no contest is obviously the fight against Daniel Cormier. Was overturned by the California State Athletic Commission uh, back in 2017. The one loss, although again, and we're not saying this because he's from our local area. Yeah. Any fight fan who watches the fight will agree with you. The one loss was to Matt Hamill. Was a DQ for illegal elbows back in December 5th of 2009. Although to be fair, go back and watch that fight. He was beating the whole. Listen, I love Matt Hamill. No disrespect to Matt Hamill. Sure. He was beating the holy hell out of Matt Hamill to the point where he looked at the ref and almost, and I'm pretty sure mouth. What more do you? No, want? he did say it. He looked. He looked at the ref and mouth. What more do you want me to do? Yeah. Because Matt Hamill was not defending himself. Hamill was completely out of it, and John was raining down elbows. Now the thing that was in question is it is illegal to throw a 12-6, which means a straight elbow up and down yep. onto your opponent. Yep. You have to come at an angle with it yep. to be legal. Yep. And the referee at the time felt that John came down with 12-6, even though Hamill was just not moving, No, which I think kind of helped persuade the referee to make that decision. Not saying Hamill was doing anything wrong. He was just out, out cold. Like, yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah. So that loss... The UFC doesn't pay any attention to. Fans do not pay any attention to unless you want to do trivia. So if, you, if you're going out for trivia night, hey, there you go. Yeah, free one for you. But John has literally taken care of everybody else they've thrown at him over the years. Stefan Bonner, yeah. Ryan Bader, Shogun Hua, 
Rampage Jackson, Lyoto Machida, and one of the scariest chokes you'll ever see in your life. Yeah. Rashad Evans, Chael Sonnen, Vitor Belfort, Glover Teixeira, Daniel Cormier twice. Yeah. Even though one is an asterisk. His closest opponent that he's ever had was Alexander Gustafson, which you could make the debate. Gustafson won the original fight. There's an argument for it. Yeah, you can make that one. That's the only time that John has really been questioned about it. But the, other than that, he has just gone through everybody they've thrown at him. And his last fight was against Dominic Reyes on February 8th, 2020. Yep. He has not fought since because he literally cleaned out his division, even though the last couple fights he's had at light heavyweight against Reyes and Tiago Santos, John did not look as dominant as John had been in the past. Right. Now, we're not saying father time is caught up to John or anything like that. It's just one of those things that when you're such a dominant champion at your division and you make a run like John made, certain fighters start catching up to you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Not saying they caught him because I thought the Diego Santos fight was probably the closest that John has been challenged since the first Gustafson fight. Well, and at first we thought, you know, because he had the fight against Cormier that was overturned or no mm-hmm. contest, which was on July 29, 2017. He then wouldn't fight again until he fought Gustafson the second time uh, on December 29, 2018, and he knocked Gustafson out. Yeah, you know, so he went like a year and a half, and he and he, he let's be honest, he got I think he got lucky with that knockout watching that fight, you know, and and it was very clear he didn't wasn't the John of old that we were like, all right, listen, you had a year and a half off, there's a little ring rust, mm-hmm. ring rust there, but then it kind of continued. So I no, I think you're right. I think it's you know the other fighters are catching up to him. You know, obviously the older you get, the reflexes aren't as sharp as they used to be. You don't move as quick as you used to. You can't throw as hard as you used to, whatever else. And so that's when you got to adapt your game. I mean, you look at pitchers in baseball. You might have a pitcher who, in the prime of his career, you know, and let's just say his early to mid-20s, can throw 102-mile-an-hour fastball. Mm -hmm. But the longer he stays in the game, all of a sudden, you know, you saw this with CeCe Sabathia. CeCe Sabathia, for a lot of years, great with with the fastball. And then all of a sudden, the velocity started dropping on the fastball, so he started switching to sliders and, and splitters and change-ups and off-speed stuff because I can't throw that fastball by him anymore. i got to change. The same thing can be said for John here. Yeah. It's one of the situations that you have to adapt with the time, and especially with him and his time off due to his controversies, drug tests. He's had a very polarizing career in front of, in front of a lot of fans, and rightfully so. Like, There's no excuse for it. Sure. Because a lot of this, John, in my opinion, brought on himself. And you can't say otherwise. Yeah. I know that we have, obviously, we've made no, you know, hiding of this. We are from John's hometown. Yep. So we have a very big fan base here in town that is very supportive of him. And that's great. Like, do you? But there's also a lot of us that, hey, we we do it as we say on 607 TWS. We call it right down the middle. When you screw up, we call you out on it. Oh, yeah. And John's had screw ups. And I mean, I'll be, I'll be transparently clear i went to the same high school as john Mm -hmm. i met john the first week of my freshman year of high school because of some mutual friends and i got introduced to him and his brother you know uh chandler or not chandler arthur arthur jones you know so i've met the both of them and i shook both of their hands in 2003 Mm -hmm. listen i rooted for john for a while but with all the other shit he's done off the field screw him yeah that's the problem that we have And, and like i say i've met john too i met him when he was bouncing at a local bar yeah Right, bo- right before he went to go fight Stefan Bonner. Yeah. Like, how crazy is that? But And John has always been cool with me. Like I say, when I've 
I ran into him. It's always been a, a you know yeah. very cordial. So yeah, but he's made these excuses. You can go through the backlog of the ODPH. Whenever he's had a controversy, it's always in the title. You can always hear our opinions there. He's got an ego second to that of CM Punk. Yeah. So that being said, we're going to just kind of focus now. He's back after three years. He's moved up divisions. He's in heavyweight. Yep. Now, I will say this. I've seen pictures of him. He looks very healthy at this weight. I'll say supposedly he's been training for this since like the later part of 2020. Oh, yeah. When he when he was done with Reyes, he, he immediately said, I'm moving up. Because so, he, he cleaned so, out the division. In so, his allegedly, he's been working on this for three years. Yes. that This is what he's been working on with everything else that he's had going on. Of course, it's been 10 years since he announced he'd be going to heavyweight. Well, at this time, too, you got to remember. When you are that dominant, especially that young, it's very cool to say you're moving up. Sure. Because we've seen this time and time again. Anderson Silva did it. Uh, we've seen uh, Randy Couture do it right. and, you know, to really go back in time about this. Right. Most recently, Israel Adesanya. Yeah. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you're stupid like Israel was. Yeah. Who did not put on any weight for the fight. And, <laughs> and his opponent put on like 50 pounds. Yeah. And just and the opponent laid on him for five rounds. So, I mean, it is what it is there. But in John's case, it's been talked about because he really cleaned out everybody in his division for the most part. He had heavyweights coming down. That's how Daniel Cormier came down. Yeah. No way Daniel Cormier should have fought at 205. Hell no. But he did. He was a great champion there, but couldn't beat John. I'd love to see if, you know, timetables were reversed. John at heavyweight versus Cormier at heavyweight. Yeah, one of the great what ifs. Yeah, that's, you're exactly right, Pat. That's one of the greatest what ifs in all of mixed martial arts. Tell you what, put it on the video game, put the two computers fighting, see what happens. Yeah, do a best of seven because I, th- I don't want to have it happen just one time. But that said, John is now at heavyweight. He is getting welcomed into the division by a former interim champion mm-hmm. and one that I think is going to give him more problems than not, Pad. And I, that's Serial Gone. I know you got his record up. Yeah, and I should note this is also for the vacant UFC heavyweight championship. Uh, so Serial's record in 12 professional matches, 11 wins, one loss. His one loss, he's on a one-fight winning streak, beating Ty Tuivasa via knockout in September of last year. His last loss, or only loss, was the fight prior to that where he got beaten by unanimous decision by Francis Ngannou in January of uh, last year. Yes, and Ngannou has vacated the UFC title. He has left the organization as of right now. Yep. His future is very up in the air. Gone, like we said, interim champion, and he is no joke. He is as technically sound as you get and defeated some very big names in his UFC time. Mm -hmm. Derek Lewis, Junior Dos Santos. Uh, like you touched upon, Tai Taivasa on his last fight. Yeah. And John is not going to have an easy day with Gone. Mm-hmm. I am surprised the money line swung as quickly as it did. Mm-hmm. But this is more people now seeing John relaxed. It almost in a weird sense seems like John's the John of old. Mm-hmm. Like going into a fight, no pressure, no nothing. Right. He does look healthy at his weight. I'm not sure what exactly he's weighing at. I want to say it was 235, if okay. I'm not mistaken. So it's not that far a swing from what he was. No, because he would say about how he had to cut so much weight to get down to 205. It's probably and close to his walking weight. Yeah, he, that's what he said. He goes, it's not too much more than his walk weight. So, And I, if I'm doing my math right, and please correct me if I'm wrong, hashtag ODPHpod, he should be around 235. Right. Gone, I believe, does cut 
to get down to 265, but it's not like Gon cuts a crazy amount. It's right. not like the Francis Ngannou has to cut from 300 to 265, if memory serves me right. Right. So Gon is going to be very physically equal to John at this stage. Not much of a reach difference. I know one of the John's big you know, advantages is his reach at 84 and a half inches, which is one of, if not the longest, currently going. Mm-hmm. I know it was at one point. I don't know if it still is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gon, according to his Wikipedia page, has a reach of 81 inches. So not that big a difference. You know, and then height-wise, Gon's six foot five or uh, 196 centimeters for those of you who use metric, uh, and then John is six foot four or 193 centimeters. So not much of a difference there. The biggest difference I think is going to be weight, because if John comes in at 235, and then Gon comes in at like 260, John, you're laying prey. Shit ain't going to work, my guy. No, it's going to be tough for him. Like I say, I'm not sure. That's what I'm assuming he's coming up as. Right. We, so, we won't know till weigh-ins. Yeah, weigh-ins are going to really dictate a lot. But that being said, Pad, we have to give our ODPH pod prediction. Who you got? Listen, it's you know it's commendable that John's doing this. You know he could have easily stayed in the light heavyweight division, cleaned out the entire thing nine times over until the end of his career, and then walked off as the greatest light heavyweight champion of all time. You know, but he made the choice to fulfill his prophecy, prediction, whatever you want to call it, that I'm going to go up to heavyweight and I'm going to win the heavyweight championship. You know, and he's got that opportunity. Do I agree he's getting it right out the gate? No. But I understand it. You know, Mm -hmm. you got to make box office fights. You got to sell the pay-per-views, especially given how much they cost these days and how tight everything is for money uh, for folks here in the States. Yeah. You know, don't know what you folks overseas pay, but I guarantee you it's probably not the same amount that we pay in the States. Uh, you know, but he's going up against a guy who's very battle tested and, you know, a lot of the advantages we see John have in the light heavyweight fights, I don't think he's necessarily going to have, you know, he doesn't, he's not going to have the height advantage as much as he normally would, or as much as we've seen, he's got a little bit of a reach advantage, but it's not as big a disparity as we've seen in the past. And he sure as shit probably ain't going to have the, the weight difference. So he's going to have to rely on his knockout power. But you're going up against a guy, Cyril Gunn, who's got five wins by knockout. You know, John's got ten, which is which is nice and all. But there's a difference between a light heavyweight knockout and a heavyweight knockout. And you know what? I'm going to go with Gunn. That's not a bad prediction, Pat. Excuse me. I just decided to go Google search. Sure. So I came across an article on ESPN from uh, September of 2021. Okay. John Jones claimed that he was weighing 255 then. Eh, I believe it when I, when he goes to weigh-ins. Yeah, when he goes to weigh-ins, it'll be a different story. So looking at where the strengths are, Cyril Gaon is an excellent striker. He has pinpoint accuracy. He does not really make any mistakes on his feet. That is where his strengths really shine through in a fight. John is more of a ground-and-pound wrestler, more so than his striking. Now, Mm -hmm. can he stand there and throw some hands? Absolutely. No question of that. Will he in this fight? I'm going to say no. What I think is going to happen is I think that he's going to take some shots from gone while going in for a takedown. Probably. And this is going to be the true test of where John is. And how that chin is. Yes, because the first takedown is going to say a lot. If he gets gone on the ground, gone is in trouble. 
Gon does not have a strong ground game, in my opinion, especially off his back. Where John, we've seen him take fighters down, and they don't get yeah, back up. Yeah. Now, the big X factor that we don't know is how is John going to do this as a heavyweight? Is it going to be as explosive for the takedown? Right. If he doesn't have that explosive first step, he's in trouble. Oh, yeah. He's in big trouble. But that is something that we'll see within the first round because I think what he's going to do is I think he's going to kind of gauge a little bit of what Gon's plan is. And Gon, I think it's very straightforward. He's going to come at him. He's going to try kicking his head off. Yep. John has to be smart about this. Take the center of the octagon, kind of pressure him against the cage, and then just try to go for a takedown. Let's say the first round is probably going to be very textbook for a John Jones first round fight in a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. Oh, I agree with you, too, because I think that what he needs to do is literally get a good understanding of Gon's size mm-hmm. and timing. And I think Gon is going to go in there not you know, over-anxious. Sure. But I think if you've been hearing all week, all month. For the last couple of years. Right. That John Jones is coming. John Jones is coming. You got John Jones. John Jones is moving up. The greatest of all time is now in your division. What are you going to do? you're going to want to go out there and make a statement. Mm-hmm. And as much as he's trying to downplay it a lot, I think the gun is got John in his head. Uh-huh. I think as much as everybody wants to really downplay it, I think that that's going to be a big factor because I think Gon is going to do something reckless well, could be. and he's going to get caught. Could be. Now, is it going to be to a spinning elbow? Is it going to be to a takedown? I don't know. I'm not going to give you that kind of prediction, but I'm just going to say this. He's going to make one crucial mistake – John's going to see it. John's going to win a round, and then Gon's going to try not doing that again, and that's what's going to lead to the downfall. I fully see John Jones taking this fight, even though I'm with you, Pat. I think that if he's not up to weight, Gon's going to hit him with some combos, and it's going to be a quick night. Oh, yeah. Like I said, if Gon has the weight differential on him, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking like all oh, this to that. But if like, he's gone by 20, then it's done. I would say John's great at, at ground wrestling. You know, he won, you know, a state championship at high school for, uh, here, here in the 607 in wrestling. Mm-hmm. You know, he and his brother were, I, I had their wrestling coach as a science teacher in high school. I saw a tape of them wrestling high school. It is the stuff of legend that, yeah. that his brother Art would go to re- wrestling competitions and the other team would forfeit before the match even started because they didn't want their guy going against Art. And John was not quite necessarily to that level. He was still pretty damn good. Yeah. But it don't mean shit if you're lighter than the guy you're trying to take down and do a lay and pray on. He's going to flip your ass over like a pancake. Well, that's the one thing that we've seen with Gon, too, when he's had a fight. Uh, you know, I think with Nganu took him down, if I'm not I mistaken. I think so, yeah. And Nganu has no ground game. Nope. Sorry, just putting it out there. Like, he, like I know he's... Nganu's known for one thing, and that's, you know, his right hand. Yeah. The hand of Thor, so to speak, because when he hits you, it's lights out, or lightning out, if you will. That said... I do like John in this. I think it's going to be a fourth-round stoppage. Okay. I think that what he's going to do is I think Gon is going to really – I you know, it's weird saying, but I think he's going to feel the pressure. I really do. And I think that he's going to have a problem in this kind of spotlight because it's one thing when you fight Francis Ngannou, and it's nothing against Ngannou as a fighter. He's one of the greatest heavyweights we've ever seen. John is a – different media circus altogether and there are you know obviously his name gets thrown around as the goat yeah and 
for what he did, what he's done in the cage, you can't take that away from. I'll him. say for the record and just the the body of work he's done in the octagon. Yes, in the octagon, bell to bell, you know, deservedly so. Mm-hmm. I think that this is going to be something that is lingering in Gon's head, and I think that if he gets caught with an early mistake, like let's say he gets taken down at the end of the first round, so it's a ten nine, I think that's going to get on him, and I think that's going to leave him open for more trouble. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he bounces back exactly right away because I think that John's smart enough that he'll throw him a different look in that second round, and then he'll take him to deep water in the third. And that's where I think he's going to get a stoppage in the fourth. I'm not sure to what degree if it's going to be a sub or if it's going to be by strikes. I'm leaning sub, but we'll have to wait and see. But I do think that John gets this out, just gets the win. And then where do we go from here? That's going to be the question we'll be talking about next week. But in the meantime, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. UFC 285, who you got? And I'll throw this out to the ODPH Society. If John wins, is he the undisputed greatest of all time? Hmm. Because now he's a two-time champion in heavyweight and light heavyweight. Where do you rank him just for inside the cage? We want to emphasize that. Not taking everything out outside the cage, but inside. I know that we'll have Mike from Multiverse of Badness chiming in about this as well, so you definitely want to be like, Mike, hit us with your picks. Let us know who you got. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do not adjust your dial or, well, your phone, your watch, or whatever the heck you're using to listen to the awesome podcast you're currently listening to. I am the Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack, and I am here to tell you that being a nerd can be a bit overwhelming, especially after 30. Life moves pretty fast in our nerd culture, and if you don't take the time to notice things, you miss out. That's why I'm here. As your Duke of Nerds, I am charged with educating and enlightening and entertaining you on all things nerdy. I do it by running the 30 and Nerdy podcast. 30 and Nerdy is a bad cast company production and currently playing wherever you cast your pod. Follow along each episode using the hashtag 30andnerdypod check out what all is going on at 30andnerdypodcast.com whether it's DC, Marvel, comics or video games, I have got you covered. So tune in now. Cheers to you nerds. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Time to talk a little pro wrestling Mm -hmm. and we are officially on the road to Wrestlemania under 40 days away I believe. The roads to Wrestlemania. Love what you did there. And that being said, the WWE is now starting to put together their biggest show of the year. Mm-hmm. Two nights of pro wrestling action from yes. SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, California. Yes. And after this past weekend, we've got a clear picture of some matches that were announced and mm-hmm. ones that we are expecting to be announced. Yep. So, Pad, let's break down the shows of this past weekend, shall we? Yeah, so uh, the one we got to talk about uh, from Friday... Uh, is they're hinting at it's not official yet, but it's looking like we will have uh, Ray taking on Dominic Mysterio uh, yeah. at WrestleMania in some capacity. Well, which I think after the third vignette we saw on social media of Dominic and Rhea showing up to some sort of holiday festivities with uh, Ray and his family, I think we all saw this coming. It's been something they've wanted to do for quite some time. The WWE is very high on the character work, 
question mark asterisk <laughs> of Dominic Mysterio. It's getting a reaction, but as you can tell by the sound of my voice, um, yeah, I hope it's, it's the second match on either night. Certainly something. Yeah, I really do because Dominic Mysterio, if you have not watched, is very annoying to the point it's laughable in the wrong reasons, in yeah. my opinion, and I think Pat echoes that. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say the online banter online between Charlotte and Rhea and Buddy Matthews and Andrade has been fucking fantastic. Oh, that's amazing. That's the best part of this because obviously Charlotte and Rhea have a match at WrestleMania for the WWE SmackDown women's title. That's going to be absolutely awesome. Yeah. But the Ray and Dominic storyline, you know, the the problem that you have is Dominic is over because of Rhea. Yeah. And the fact that she's not going to be involved in this match. Yep is going to be relying solely on Rey Mysterio, who's a legend in the sport, don't get me wrong, but is not the Rey of old. Yeah. He's getting up there in years. I know this is a match he's always wanted to do. Yeah, and him yeah, and like, yeah. listen, I think for that reason, yeah, I got no problem with the match. I just have no real desire to see the match because yeah. Dominic is not that good in the ring. I mean, from a storytelling standpoint, I understand why you're doing it. You know, it's father versus son. You don't get to do this very often, if ever. You know, Lord knows how long it's been since we've seen this, especially at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. You know, so to see it happen is certainly cool. It's going to be one of those moments where, you know, despite how good or bad the match is going to be, I think down the road you will still tell people, like, yeah, you know, there was, you know, I did get to see. Ray, even if you were in that, you're able to be in the crowd, whatever night this takes place on, I got to see Ray take on Dominic Mysterio at WrestleMania. I got to see the Mysterios face each other. Yeah. You know, but just from a storytelling standpoint, I don't give a fuck. Like, don't get me wrong. The Dominic, you know, gangster, I'm a, I survived prison. Although let's be honest, it was local holding for 24 hours. I find it hysterical. Yeah. Just because of how just stupid it is. He got that. He got a teardrop tattoo because all. Oh, prison really changed me like and everyone's like yeah you were in holding quote unquote holding for 24 hours like you weren't in hard time like you were arrested for trespassing mm. you know so the story i don't give two shits about you know but to see them actually stand up stand uh, go up against each other face to face that's gonna be cool it's gonna be cool for that nostalgia moment like i said because that's all it's gonna play like when, yeah. we, when we look back in history uh, it's cool father versus son yeah and i know that they'll try really put on a good match and then we go from there. But like I said, I hope it's the second match of the night, to be honest, yeah. on either night. Yeah. I don't care. I'm just I'm not invested in this feud whatsoever. Yeah. On to the next. Uh, the next one is also a matchup that hasn't been officially announced yet, but they're strongly hinting at it. And to kind of give a little detail, we got to tr- turn the clock back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, before Elimination Chamber. Uh, in the SmackDown right before Elimination Chamber where Bray Wyatt came out and said, hey, I want to face the winner of whoever wins between Bobby Lashley and Bro- Brock Lesnar at Elimination Chamber. I want to face him at WrestleMania. Well, then we got the DQ finish and the whatever else. So we're like, huh, I wonder what's going to happen with this. Uh, you had Brock Lesnar uh, challenged by uh, MVP to take on almost, which we'll get to in just a minute. But on the SmackDown after uh, Elimination Chamber this past Friday, Bray has started calling out Bobby Lashley and even insulting him with some vignettes, which are hysterical. Mm. Uh, so it's looking like, uh, depending on what, how the route they take to do this, we are going to be getting Bray Wyatt in whatever form he decides to take going up against Bobby Lashley. So the only question I have with this is, has Bobby Lashley ever been involved in a supernatural gimmick storyline? Since he's come back in the time I've watched, not that I can think of. I can't think of a time that he's ever been in this. So for that reason alone, 
I'm intrigued at how this storyline is going to go. The only storyline I can think of he's been in that isn't, hey, look at me, I'm dominant and I'm strong, was the whole Rusev-Lana thing. Right. Which is, you know, a whole different subject. That's a whole different ball of wax right there. But I think for this aspect, one, this shows of how high on the card Bobby Lashley is Mm -hmm. and how the WWE looks at him, which Mm -hmm. they should because... He has been putting in the work over the past few years since the Hurt Business. Yeah. He's a, he is a bona fide main eventer. Yeah. Like, there's no question about it. And anybody that doesn't see that, I'm yeah. sorry, you really need to take a look at what a pro wrestler is and see who's really drawing. Bobby Lashley is definitely in that conversation for main eventer. Sure. You know, on any card. So to put in with Bray, that's an interesting mix because mm-hmm. Bray is so heavily involved in a supernatural gimmick. Sure. That, like, when you started hearing about possible opponents – it was really interesting to hear that Lashley was involved and Brock Lesnar was involved. Right. Because you don't really associate either one of them with doing supernatural stuff. No, not the, at all. The closest you've had is Brock has taken on The Undertaker. Yeah. So, yeah. I, like that, I you can kind of go, okay, maybe I can kind of make a connection there. Sure. But with Lashley now involved, that's an interesting dynamic. I really think they're going to play a good story, whatever it's going to be. It is going to get weird. Oh, yeah. Hands down. Going to get real weird. So we just have to be patient as fans to see what the end game is going to be with it. But I'll be honest. like I'm actually more excited about this after seeing the uh, Muscle Man promo. Oh, my God. That was at the end of Monday Night Raw. That which, was hysterical. Which, I mean, when Bray starts going into crazy Bray, Firefly, yeah. Funhouse, and, yeah. and whipping out stuff like that, like that is stuff that's interesting to see how Bobby's reaction was. It's yeah, like, he didn't know what the fuck to do. It was priceless. You want to know what I want to see is I want to see Bray win at WrestleMania and then see, and well, however that you make this happen, have Bobby join him. Like he him get turned over to yeah. you want to do something different with Bobby you want to get do something other than the hey look I'm strong and I'm dominant you know show a different side to Bobby I'm join Bray for a little bit that would be interesting but what I think is going to happen is Bray is going to get some help that I think right. that long talked about faction is going to happen which the Wyatt sex yeah yeah which I'm not excited for because I think Bray solo is better than Bray with a faction sure. I just I think that he's he like he can work in the right circumstances though. Look at look at the Wyatt family. Oh, absolutely no. Like I say, the Wyatt family is one of those uh, times that like it definitely works. But I think like when he had that semi faction with him and Alexa, sure. Like for me, it just didn't connect. Sure. But what I think will be interesting if they do this, and granted, I'm only fan speculating here. We have a friend that's down in NXT that has a faction already built in. That's true. And they smile a lot. That's and, true. And, and they have a certain uh, what, would, what would be fourth generation superstar in the mix. Mm-hmm. So you pair them up with yeah. Bray and Uncle Howdy, yeah, and that's your six. That could be. And then Lashley rebounds by saying, "Well, you have your family, I have mine. I, you have family, I have a business. Yeah, I have a family that is a business." And we have a brand new Hurt Business. Yeah, I'd be listen, if Hurt Business comes back, I'm all right with that. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think that's the ultimate end game for this is Bobby is going to reunite the Hurt Business. Right. Now, whatever members are involved is still up in the air. Right. Because I know one is going to play out no matter what at the end of NXT Stand and Deliver. Sure. Because the loser, in my opinion, of Braun Breaker, Carmelo Hayes, is getting called up. Oh, hands down. If it's Carmelo Hayes, I think he's going to be the first member of the new faction. It could be. And you know what? Give it to me. I am so here for that. 
The Hurt Business is one of the most underrated factions of all time. And if they're going to have them go head on, head to head with the Wyatt family. Did not get a proper run. Yeah. I was going to say, the run was cut way too short. This is a great way to redeem it and put them against the Wyatt Six. I, yeah. I, it's not the Wyatt family anymore. Do that. Make it happen. I'm, I'm all in. Take my money now. Yeah. Uh, another matchup we know for certain is taking place at uh, WrestleMania is for the Raw Women's uh, uh, Championship. Uh, Bianca Belair is defending her belt against Asuka. Yeah, that's starting to take up a little more uh, time on TV, which is good. They're Asuka's building fucking up. nuts. Yeah, Asuka is playing to the evil persona that she's had uh, before she came to WWE. So, like, listen, give it to me. Yeah. I like. I think this is, this is going to be great. I think Oscar goes over. I think Bianca has been a great champion, but champion for like a year. I think by the time WrestleMania hits, yeah. So I don't doubt them making the switch, and it's going to be a hell of a feud. So like I say, I don't think this is done at Mania by any no. stretch of the imagination. No. So this stretches out for a few months. Like, listen, I think this is going to be great. This could be a new fight forever. So I like. I like what they've done here by building it up because Oscar is not afraid to take out anybody. Yeah. Uh, and then next, uh, you, uh, we, another match we know is happening is uh, that was announced on Monday Night Raw, and we alluded to it. Brock Lesnar taking on almost with MVP in his corner in a singles matchup. Now, this is something that I was kind of surprised at because I was not sure what the plan was going to be with almost. Because mm-hmm. obviously he's seven feet tall, three inches, I think. Seven foot three and 403 pounds. Right. But we really haven't seen a lot of him in like a program with another wrestler. No. He's kind of in like, and I don't want to get into like, you know, speculations and rumors, you know, like, sure. you know, like he can't go or he can't do this, can't do whatever. But I think this, I think that this is a real test to see what you got out of him. Yeah. I think for Brock to work with him is a big sign of approval. Right. Cause Brock don't just work with anybody. Right. And I think that Brock and him are going to put on an interesting match at mania. And I think that we'll really see what almost is made of it. And I think that he, I mean, he's been working with MVP and, and people in the performance center. So mm-hmm. you know that he's got some talent there, but I think working with Brock, I think is going to bring out whatever his final version is going to be. Sure. And it's either, I think it's going to be a make or break moment to be honest with you. Right. I think he's, he's, you know, physically imposing, but what are you going to do against, you know, the beast incarnate? Like that's, right. that's the true story here. Uh, the, the vignette they did to set up the match. Funny. Yeah. It works. Brock smiling is a weird thing. I'm still not used to. Yeah, because they did do. Where, I just want to know what the hell was in Brock's flask. Moonshine, probably. Yeah, that was they. I, I mean, thought you, I thought they said that on. Air. Oh, I might have missed it. Okay. Yeah, because they had a scene where Lesnar came to the MVP lounge before MVP. He mm-hmm. was in there uh, making himself very comfy oh, yeah. and having a reasonable conversation with MVP. They were going to do drinks, and obviously MVP keeps champagne there. Yeah. Well, it didn't work out that way. Because, Why don't we go with something stronger? Yeah, we'll go with something stronger. And I, I thought they said moonshine. I could be wrong. Could be. And MVP took one sip of it and spit it in Brock's face, so he got an F5 after after, after After Lesnar promised no F5s. Yeah, so, uh, you know, that that was not too bad of a setup. I, no. I got to admit for no, that. That, so. was, that was fun. Yeah. Uh, not announced yet, but the current speculation is that the United States champion Austin Theory is going to be taking on John Cena at WrestleMania. And, of course, might get that announced or kind of the seeds planted for that next week because Monday Night Raw this next coming week is taking place from Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, that is John Cena's hometown. John Cena is making his return to Monday Night Raw. And Austin Theory, well, said as much uh, on Raw last night about how, oh, everyone's talking about John Cena's return, John Cena this, John Cena that. Well, nobody's talking about me enough, and I'm going to tell them about it. Remember when everybody thought that when Vince McMahon stepped on his creative, Austin Theory was, was gone? Guilty. Yeah. 
they are really building him up to. I didn't. Well, let me say this. I didn't think he was gone, but I thought his push was done. Yeah. They're really building him up to be a superstar of the future, like to yeah. be a main eventer. Yeah. Getting in a program with John Cena, not everybody does, not at this stage. And listen, listen you can say what you want. John Cena, movie star now, part-time wrestler. He's still John Cena. Mm-hmm. And John Cena at WrestleMania is still a moment. Yeah, it is. And whatever they want to do with Austin Theory there, which I think they're going to set up for a night one title defense. Probably. I think is going to be the smart play to do. And then I think that you're going to have John Cena do the open title defense night two, and that's where he drops it to somebody debuting, whether it's a Jay White, oh boy, which I think is even money now, yeah. Uh, unless something weird happens, and yeah. I'm stressing this involving Kenny Omega getting out oh. of his contract early because of reasons, like because uh, he has good lawyers. Yeah, like I say, there that's something that we talked about in six or seven TWS this yes. week. So if you want a deeper dive about that, but I'm just gonna say this. Nothing is impossible when it comes to that kind of situation. This is true. So if Kenny can work some magic, yeah. That would be a moment. Yeah. Um, so I will say this. It will be against the debut no matter what, and Cena is gonna put somebody over. Smart money is Jay White though. So I could see it. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Uh, great program, though, to get set up. Oh, absolutely. Uh, also not announced what's going to be going on with the Intercontinental Championship, which is currently held by Gunther, although I will say they've been running Gunther versus Sheamus and Drew in a triple threat at house shows. Could be an early preview of what you see at WrestleMania, which in that case, fucking give it to me. Yeah, I think that's what they're ultimately going to do. And, like, listen, that could be an interesting feud as well, too, because obviously you have Drew hanging out with the Brawling Brutes. Yep. And how they want to move that forward is going to be anybody's guess. Because I do think they want to get the belt off Gunther by SummerSlam. Yes. Because I think he's going to be the title yes. contender. He's going to be the next man up. Yeah, he's going to be the next one up for the SummerSlam main event. So yeah. it would make, it'd be smart money to do. Um, but we'll have to wait to see because I know there's a battle royal that's set to take place Friday night. Yep. And the winner gets the title match. So it could be a double elimination. Could be. With Sheamus and Drew. And, you know, hey, like, listen, the three of them in a match, just three big guys just hitting the hell out of each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, also not knowing what's going to happen is with the uh, WWE Women's Tag Team Champions uh, Championships, which, as of last night, are now held by Becky Lynch and Lita, uh, thanks to the help of one Tris Stratus. So... Are we going to get a triple threat between Damage Control and Becky Lynch, Trish Stratish, and Lita? I fucking hope so. That'd be fucking awesome. Are we, or are we just going to get a uh, tag team matchup between EO and Dakota taking on Lita and Becky? I don't know. I hope it's the triple threat though. This is one that I got to admit threw me for a curveball mm-hmm. because I thought we were going to have a triple threat match. Okay. I just don't think the the women's tag team titles are going to be involved in this. Sure. Because, and they still might not be, but hear me out when I'm, where I'm going with this. Okay. So, obviously, we have Trish, Lita, and Becky Lynch now as a, I guess you can call them a faction. Sure. And, obviously, they have the women's tag team titles on them right now. Yep. The other side, you have Damage Control, which I wasn't sure the status of Dakota Kai. I knew that she was a little injured. That was what the rumor was. Right. Bailey and EO Sky. So... I think ultimately you were going to plan on doing a six-woman tag match, which mm. would, which would be great. Yeah. 
But then what do you do with the t- women's tag team titles? Because I do think that they need to be featured in a match. Sure. So you can have them maybe if you do it Freebird rules, which sure. is, you know, any, you know, the teams win, however you want to pair it up and, and make it happen. So it could be well, Trish could and Lita. Say so you could have Becky and, well, you could have Becky and, uh, Becky and Lita taking on EO and Dakota, and I know you've got Ronda and Shayna lurking in the background Mm -hmm. chirping all sorts of noise. Well, that's the thing. I thought that they should get plugged in this match too, but how much do you want to add to this match? Like, that's that's the one area I just don't know. Right. Because then if you throw Trish and Bailey in the mix at ringside, that's just going to get convoluted yeah plus you'd also i'm I'm not saying i'm opposed to it just something it's a lot of moving pieces exactly that's the one problem that you have here because then you also have to pair a third person with Rhonda and Shayna, right and who's there on the roster to do that right because i'd say if if sasha was a lock to come back that could be a situation if naomi was right that could be a situation right or even and i know this is going to sound like a long shot and i know i'm going to make somebody's head spin with this Mandy Rose? Yeah, no chance in hell. Well, never say never. I mean, obviously there would be a lot. That, okay, you talk about Mountains moving. would have to move. Right, but I'm just saying, like, you'd have to have a, a bona fide main eventer yeah. step in that spot. And like I say, you could definitely do that. Even Naomi returning, and right. I know that she hasn't been pushed like that, right. but she could definitely fill that role in there with them and just say, hey, we're you know, we want our time. We're going to take over. You know, like, you can just do a quick faction with them. I mean, the only thing I can think of is because... Correct me if I'm wrong. The other two four horse women of MMA are signed elsewhere, right? Uh, Jessamyn Duke, I don't know where she is right now, and mm-hmm. Marina Sheriff uh, is over in AEW. Okay, so the odds are they're not going to show up. I mean, the only other thing I could think of is if Ronda is friends with somebody and can talk about, hey, you want to show up to WrestleMania for one night to be with me and, and help out with this for just for a night, and she brings somebody in. I don't know who she's friends with or who she's close with. You know, in the, in the women's MMA world, you know, but that's the only other thing I could think of. Just, be, just, just because, you know, oh, she's going to bring who on the women's roster. Could you plausibly see her hitting up going, hey, we need a third person at ringside because there's going to be some shenanigans going on and we need you to watch our backs. You know what? There, There's a couple that came to mind just quickly. OK. One. Granted, I know I'm glad you're sitting down. Chris Cyborg. I, I had that thought. Because Cyborg has, has talked with WWE in the past. I've had that I've I had that thought. That's why I'm bringing this up. I mean, that would be a hell of a debut. Because just realistically, and this isn't a slight against any of the sure, sure. any of the women on the main roster, I cannot reasonably even set upside disbelief and, and, and suspend it and go, you know what? That makes sense that that Ronda went to her to have them as their third person in the cor- in the corner to watch their back against Trish and Bailey. Mm-hmm. Just none of none of them makes sense, but if she calls up, hey, I need a third person, and it's like a cyborg or, or somebody else, Chris Cyborg or somebody else from MMA, that it's like an oh shit, like wrestle because Triple H has gone on record and said he wants to make this the most memorable WrestleMania of all time. Which, mm-hmm. given some of the moments of the last thirty eight other WrestleManias, it's a tall task. Oh, absolutely. But what what bigger way could you do it than getting in like a Chris Cyborg or somebody else? Yeah, I mean, that would be the smart play to do, or if you can get Sasha to come back for one night, like right. that would be something yeah. as well, too. I mean, I don't – granted, there's that's a that's a whole different ball of wax. It's going to take but, a lot of money. Yeah, that's going to be the statement of this show, a whole ball of wax. Uh, because there is just a lot of moving parts going on there, too. Like, I could see Liv Morgan get plugged in there, yeah, and, and maybe, maybe, because, I mean – 
it just depends on what they want to do with her character or Nikki Cross because they just like, hey, go stand. Well, I mean, she she seems like she's getting ready to do something with Candice LeRae though. Yeah, like like I say, like that could be that could happen there too. But I could see like them just saying like Nikki just stay here. Piper Niven maybe and Nikki go crazy and just do whatever. Yeah, Piper Piper would be one too. I mean. They do have some possibilities, but I think that that was kind of the more interesting thing is what are they going to do with Trish and Lita now coming back? Right. Because there had been a lot of rumors that you were going to have Bailey versus Trish Stratus. There was right. a lot of rumors having that Lita was going to take on Bailey. Well, Lita was allegedly, a rumor had it, was supposed to show up on the 30th anniversary of Raw, but then didn't. And, yeah. And I, I kind of was like, all right, well, I guess that rumor ended up being not true. Mm-hmm. And then her music hit last night, and I went, oh, shit, I guess it was true. Yeah, I mean, there there's a lot of just speculation i guess that's sure. kind of the easiest way to say going on with the sure. women's title match um so i would say this i don't think what we saw last night is the setup for anything involving the actual titles being defended at mania sure but i think by the time we get to the two weeks out sure mark sure It'll be set in stone about who's going to be facing who for the women's titles. Right. Well, and I think, and I don't think the women's titles are going to be on Lita and Becky for very long. I, I think, because no, I, 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 I don't see uh, an edge like run in Lita for multiple years left. I think this is just a, hey, she can still go. They made these belts. It's the one thing she never got to do, and they're doing it as a service and a thank you to her. Yeah, I agree too. Like, I think that they'll, they'll, it's a nice nostalgia run, but yeah, yeah. But I think for what they're planning on doing, I mean, they might even do something crazy like Trish, see, Trish versus Lita versus Bailey. 2023, and we're going to hear Trish Stratus and Lita's music at WrestleMania. What the fuck? That place is going to explode. Oh, it's going to go nuts. It's going to be amazing, though. Uh, also not currently announced, although current speculation is with the uh, Undisputed Tag Team Championships uh, with the Usos. Uh, obviously, online speculation is it's going to be Sammy and Kevin Owens taking on Jimmy and Jay. How we get there, we don't know. But it also could be Sam. I think the I think the general consensus is it's going to be Kevin and Sammy saying we just got to get there. But it also could be against uh, Jay, or whichever Uso and uh, Solo. No, be Jimmy and U- Solo. No, Solo, yeah. no. By the time we get said and done, Jay is going to declare his loyalty to the Bloodline. There, right. There's no way they're not going to do though Jimmy and Jay versus Kevin and Sammy. Like it right. has to be there. Right. And something is going to happen. Something's going to cause it reasons just sure we'll, we'll define it as no but they're they're doing a nice job with the biggest storyline in all of pro wrestling because it's been a lot of jimmy uso promo work which jimmy has really stepped his game up to yes. do some promos so you definitely have to give him his credit for that yes Sami Zayn is still playing that that role of now he's on the revenge tour he's going to do it by any means to take down the bloodline as well even though that i believe they are in canada for some house shows yes and Sammy yeah. is getting his rematch against Roman Reigns not on TV. No, yeah, it's in Toronto, I believe, this upcoming weekend. Yes. So Sami Zayn is going to get his rematch. But it's not going to be televised. So no, no. that is going to be interesting to see how that kind of shapes yeah. things up. But yeah. we'll have to kind of wait to see moving forward. But I, th- but I think as Kevin Owens interfered on Monday night yep. involving the bloodline, it's all pointing to going that route. Yeah. And yeah. I think that just Solo Sokoa is not going to be having a match at Mania. But I think this is going to be where Kevin and Sammy bring somebody mm-hmm. with them to neutralize Solo. I don't know who, though, so I'm not... I got a hunch, uh, and this is going off something that Uncle Dave had mentioned, uh, Cameron Grimes. Because a lot, according, according, hey. according to Uncle Dave, Cameron Grimes was supposed to be on the main roster uh, about now, but you know, apparently Creative didn't have anything for him. So maybe Cameron Grimes? How do you not have anything for To The Moon? I mean, I said the same thing about Chelsea Green, but she's got a great gimmick now. Oh, God. No, they they have to have him come out as To The Moon. If he just comes out and he's like, hey, guys, 
You know what's thicker than blood? Money. And I've got it. <laughs> like he does That'd be something amazing. He does something like that. I'm in. I'm in. Oh my god. I'd be I'd mark out like nobody's business. Yeah. I love Cameron Grimes. He's so fantastic. Bad. And then I think we have one more match out of this entire weekend that is now really a two. Two more. One's not announced. The other one, duh, it is. Uh, the one that's not announced yet, but probably will be by the time uh, we record next week, is Seth Rollins taking on Logan Paul. See, that's the one I thought was left. So, well, we obviously have the main event uh, for the Undisputed Championship left. Oh, well, uh, that, that's a given, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a given, but no, the one that's not announced yet, but listen, if you can't tell this is going to happen, I, I'm sorry, I can't help you. But it's going to be uh, Seth Rollins taking on Logan Paul at WrestleMania uh, because of the antics that ensued in the Elimination Chamber and uh, Logan Paul attacking Seth Rollins. And Seth Rollins has been calling him out on social media because of what happened at the Royal Rumble. You know, and and so you had a segment on uh, Monday Night Raw last night for Miz TV where Miz announced he is the host of WrestleMania, which... Uh, that makes sense, you know. Yeah, he, it's in Hollywood. He's the A-lister. Yeah, okay, makes sense. You know, though, I I will say this though. I'm actually kind of disappointed yeah. because I thought he should have had a match. Uh, now, I against who? Debatable. Yeah. Like even David Arquette. Well, even if you plugged him in, in I mean, Grant, they could still do it. Hollywood Hogan. No, and put him against Bad Bunny or or do something like. Supposedly that, like I think that I've I've read some rumors that like they wanna they wanna have Bad Bunny in there, but like there might be a tour or something that might conflict with. He's that. got his tour coming up, so I yeah. think they're trying to be very cautious yeah. about how much involvement they, he's going to. They have. don't they don't want to have a rock type scenario, right. where, where he gets hurt at this thing and then it delays the tour. No, but but I think that if you did something like that, I think the Miz deserved it. I mean, the Miz is one of the most underrated members of the roster. Yeah. And I think a lot of fans don't give him his due. Oh, no, I, I don't think so. So it would have been cool. But, you know, him as a host, he can still do a lot of fun things. Sure. So we're there. Uh, and then, obviously, the match we know is going to main event night two of WrestleMania is for the singles matchup for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship with Roman Reigns taking on Cody Rhodes. Yeah, I mean, this match didn't get the whole calling Logan Paul on FaceTime yeah. Like like they did no, for Miss no, TV. No, that's coming Friday. Yeah, that'll be that's the, that's coming Friday because uh, SmackDown is emanating from Washington D.C. on Friday. Roman Reigns will be in attendance, and as announced on Monday Night Raw, so will Cody. Yeah. So this is going to be very interesting to see in the first face to face. Yeah, and I think this is something they've needed to do. As you're seeing now, as they're going to WrestleMania, they're really focusing on starting to get those images together for the video packages, and this is kind mm-hmm. of what it's all setting up for. Is there going to be a lot of conflict, physicality? No. But they're setting up so you can see that visual. You can put the wrestlers in there and see, okay, this is what it's going to look like. Mm-hmm. And like I say, they, I think they've done a great job with the Seth Rollins stuff too. Because yes. like I said, when he, when he FaceTimed Logan, especially kind of playing into his brother's defeat and boxing against you know Tommy that, Fury. That was great. Yeah. I think they're doing subtle stuff like that, and they are doing advertising in advance for it. Yeah. So you tune in. Thus leading into where I was going with the Cody and Roman. Yeah. Then now you're going to finally have that first face to face after these amazing promos by Paul mm-hmm. Heyman and Cody. You're now going to have that face to face. And then you're, that build is going to be there. The fans are tuning in. Yeah. And where they're teetering, which I think really helps, is they're now getting that pop culture audience in. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost forgot there was one that was challenged on Monday Night Raw last night, but we have yet to find out if said person has accepted. There was the segment on Monday Night Raw where the Judgment Day was backstage saying their whole bet, and Finn Balor did challenge Edge to a match at WrestleMania. Yeah. We, we have yet to hear if Edge is accepted, but sounds like we're going to get uh, Finn Balor versus Edge at WrestleMania, and if some rumors I've been reading the last couple weeks are true, 
Could be something. It could definitely be something. A demon showing up. Well, they really want to pull out all the stops, and I think this is kind of where we can bring everything in full circle here. The WWE spent this entire weekend building up their WrestleMania card. Notepad. It's uh, it's 40 days out, rough, roughly. Give or take, yeah. This isn't a week out like other wrestling organizations are doing and trying to build up a show. They're now getting fans invested early. You're seeing a good build for pretty much every storyline. I think the only one that right now we just don't know mm-hmm. is the women tag team titles. Yes. But it's not to say it's not going to get a proper build. We just don't know what they're setting up for. But if you're looking at everything else they've done for this card so far, they're planting the seeds. They've started slowly doing announcements. They're really getting people invested. Mm-hmm. So then when you have two nights of pro wrestling action that you're having at a stadium that is sold out and you're going to have fans watching all over the world on Peacock, you're now going to have the benefits of doing that, I don't want to say long-term booking, but smart marketing. Mm-hmm. Because now look at what we just talked about for this segment. There's been seven matches yeah. that are now made. They still have more to add on for two nights. They could even put stuff on the pre-show, which is something they haven't done in a while. Right. But Triple H has and the WWE creative team have been very, very smart about what they've done. They've now just kind of given little bit pieces here, little pieces there, and then bam, a match is made. That nothing is really overshadowed. Because if you really want to break it down, the only match that was finalized this weekend was Brock and Olmos. Brock and Olmos, which was done literally yesterday. Yeah. I mean, Bray and Lashley was done in advance when Bray said, I want the winner of the match, but okay. Right. Everything else is alluded to. Right. It's not in, it's not in stone yet. Right. With the exception of Roman and Cody, but that's right. All, but that right. was finalized the minute the Royal Rumble happened, so there's no question of right. that. Right. I mean, the Seth Logan Paul thing has been getting teased since the Rumble, mm-hmm. and, and it's probably going to get set in stone Next week. Oh, next week's Monday Night Raw is going to be one of the biggest ones on record because oh, that yeah. match is going to get set. You might have Austin Theory versus John Cena set too. Right. I wouldn't doubt that they do maybe one more involving the women's tag team titles, may, or at least give a direction. Like, Well, I know they also are having, uh, who is it? Uh, I know Carmella is going up against Bianca Belair uh, to try again and earn a, sh- earn a match at WrestleMania. And then also they're doing Johnny Gargano versus Finn Balor. Yeah. So they're toying around with a lot of ideas right now, but at least they're shaping up into something. And that's the big takeaway here. WrestleMania is getting formed organically. The fans are getting behind the matches. Yep. I think there's a lot to be excited about for this year's WrestleMania, more so than we've been excited about in in previous years. We didn't even talk about the greatest storyline in WWE currently going. Otis and Maximum Male Models. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, it, it's it's going places, and I'm interested to see where. Yeah, but this all goes to show what Triple H has done with the show and setting the blueprint of how to get this done. This isn't throwing everything together a couple shows before your big pay-per-view and hoping your fans show up. You, no, you notice how ever since Triple H took over creative, there aren't stories at least twice a week of him ripping up the, the script an hour before the show. Mm-hmm. You notice how that kind of mysteriously went out the window? Everything's flowing nicely. That This is the blueprint of how to get it done. That we're not now going into WrestleMania going, what's going to happen? Right. You know, like I say, a lot of other people should really take notes about this. Mm. Just going to put that out there. Certain bookers of the year. Just saying, folks. But that being said, hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. 
What is your thoughts about the WrestleMania build this past weekend from WWE programming? Are you excited about the matches that are made or alluded to? If so, which ones? Let's talk about it, shall we? And if you even want more pro wrestling content, remember to check out the latest edition of 607TWS on your favorite podcast platform. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Couples Conversation Podcast. My name is JT. My name is Madison. And this podcast is exactly what it's titled. It is a couple having a conversation. We talk about life, we play games, and we love to make each other laugh, giving you a reason to laugh too. Exactly. We record every Sunday and publish our episodes every Monday, so you can find us on every major streaming platform that you find podcasts. Apple, Anchor, Spotify, wherever you can find us. We hope that you enjoy these episodes. If you want to have a say in our episodes, you can send us a question by hitting us up on Twitter at ccpodcast underscore 22. We love to see you there. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the OTPH podcast, and there is some basketball to talk. Basketball is my favorite sport. A lot of things have been happening. First and foremost, congratulations, Damian Lillard. Yeah. 71 points in God a game. Goddamn. Goddamn. And you know what? He stays loyal to Portland, too. This is true. Amazing. Like, listen, I he is one of the rare superstars out there that doesn't want to form up a super team that wants to win on his own and do his own thing. Going to submit a petition to uh, the powers that be to change the West uh, uh, Pacific time zone to Dame time. They should, because seriously, he is just phenomenal. I always would love to have seen him be a Nick. At, or hell, any place that he's a contender. Yeah, because he his talents, like, I always hate saying that they went to waste, mm-hmm. but he's literally the only reason... That Portland's even in, in contention. That's relevant. And yeah. like I say, he never is he's never complained about going somewhere. He's never said like he he he's wants the Matthew Stafford of the NBA. Yeah, like he wants to have a winning, you know, team around him and he's begged and pleaded with Portland to get him one. And I just much like Matthew Stafford. But you know, like but that's the whole thing. But I just I never understood why they never can get him players around him. Because the owner's a cheapskate and the GM's uh, stupid? Well, I don't know. No, I don't know either. But it's just one of those things that, it's like, I always feel like his talents are always going to be just treated as he never got a ring. Let's he, see who their owner is. Yeah, and especially like I say, winning dropping seventy one on Houston was a big deal, and you know, like that's the big highlight to see. But if they could have ever got him, somebody, man, oh, that might be why. Uh, the ownership is the Paul G. Allen Trust, uh, currently chaired by Jody Allen. So that's why uh, it's it was Paul Allen, but then Paul Allen has since passed on. Uh, now it's his, it's uh, one of his kids. I uh, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I mean that would make sense. Yeah. Because I mean, obviously they they like building more organically than go get free agents. But it's like sometimes you just you gotta spend that money and go get it. That's yeah. just my opinion yeah. about it. But listen, congratulations, Damian Lillard. Like I said, one of my favorite players. That's not a New York Nick. But speaking of those Knicks, mm-hmm. we have to talk about it, Pad. I know you don't want to talk about it. Not really. No. But we have to talk about it. Yeah, I guess. Six in a row Yeah. after getting Josh Hart. Yeah, currently uh, looking at the standings in the Eastern Conference, they're currently sitting in the fifth seed, uh, just a couple games behind Cleveland in the fourth seed. You've got Philadelphia in the three seed, Boston in the two seed, and then Milwaukee in the one seed by uh, percentage points. You got to love it. You have to love it. I mean, seeing as the Knicks haven't been this relevant this late in the season since, what, 2013? Sure. You know, the question has always been this team has had some great potential. And I think, obviously, you if you're a longtime listener to the ODPH, you know my feelings on James Dolan. 
I don't, I don't want to go in there. <laughs> like, listen, everybody, just go buy a CD. If you're a Knicks fan, just go buy a CD so he stays away from the team. Also, if you want a good good inside look at just James Dolan's running of the Knicks, look up the athletic podcast they did, uh, Shattered, the New York Knicks story. That's uh, a great podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's it, like seven or eight episodes. It's fantastic, but, man, you'll get your blood pressure will rise if you're a Knicks fan. Yeah. But seeing what he's done by leaving everybody alone and let Leon Rose and Tom Thibodeau, who is in contention – if it wasn't for Mike Brown out in Sacramento for yeah, being yeah, head coach of the year. Mike Brown's got that locked up. Yeah, Mike Brown has that, and rightfully so. The, the job he's done out in Sacramento needs to get more press on it because he's now made them into a contender. Currently the three seed uh, behind only the Memphis Grizzlies and the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, so just give him the trophy now, just get out of the contention. But like I say, the runner-up prize is not going to be too bad for Thibodeau, who's gotten something out of this team. They made a big splash by getting Josh Hart. Jalen Brunson has been the free agency pickup they needed. So they have not lost, if memory serves, since they picked up Josh Hart. 6-0. and 6-0. Uh, they beat uh, Utah 126-120. Brooklyn 124-106. Atlanta 122-101. Washington 115-109. New Orleans 128-106. And then Boston last night 109-94. So, like, none of these are terribly close games no like the closest i think was the utah one which was six points the rest of them are like double digits the only question mark you have last night is tatum was thrown out sure for boston so sure. like which even he said no that's what i get for fouling lebron yeah that's <laughs> that was funny I, I gotta admit but at the same point the knicks are showing that they can play team basketball sure and this is a big win for the nba at a whole because mm-hmm. let's face it the knicks don't have that bona fide superstar. No. I mean, they have some all-stars on their team. They have some all-stars, yeah. Randall, I mean, Brunson. The th- and the thing we got to know with Randall, too, is Randall was not selected via fan vote to be on the NBA all-star team. He was picked by the coaches. Yes, because he's putting in that work. And like yeah. I say, they're winning games as a team. Mm-hmm. They're not a super team. As we talked about at great lengths, and listen, I don't mind slandering on the the debacle that was the Durant-Irving era in Brooklyn because that showed what can go wrong when you go all in on super teams. And I'm so glad the Knicks didn't do that because that would have just been so disastrous to the franchise that now you sit there and look at this team playing. They're the fifth seed in the East. They don't have a superstar, even though I know this has been the big thing with Stephen A. Smith and a couple other places I've been reading. Sure about Donovan Mitchell is with the Cavs. That could be the 4-5 matchup in the playoffs. Yeah. If, if Mitchell eliminates the Knicks, how devastating would that be? Oh, Utah would love the shit out of that. Oh, Utah would. But at the same time, I understand why the Knicks didn't do it. And, you know, that's the one thing. If you get a superstar player in there, and then the amount that they wanted for him was costly. Yeah. Very, very costly. Yeah. You know, that's the situation you have about – Get you know investing in superstars like sure. sometimes, sometimes it pans out sometimes it doesn't superstars these days especially when you're trading for them they don't come cheap thanks Minnesota yeah I know Rudy Gobert deal mm-hmm. worst one in NBA history in my opinion yep they did to the NBA what Christian Kirk did the wide receiver free agency yep four years ninety eight million uh huh no I I think that we do have to give some kudos to Julius Randall just because I was listening to the Michael K show on ESPN today and. Mm. Did not realize this because, hey, I only watch basketball highlights and then the occasional playoff game. Julius Randle, fucking workhorse. Yes. Uh, because as they pointed out on the Michael K show today, uh, he's played 63 games this year. You know how many games have been played by the Knicks this year? 63. 63. Yeah. Man, man has not missed a game all year. No, he's refocused. That's insane. 
He's refocused, and that's the thing. They need everybody to buy in. Like, am I going to say they're going to win the chip? Yeah, as a fan, absolutely. We're winning the whole damn thing. <laughs> but as a realistic sports fan, I think that you have to really sit there and go, this team is really showing that you can play team ball. And if you stay to the game plan that Thibodeau does, and Thibodeau is a tough coach, no question sure. about that. Sure, If they stay to the format they're in, they can hang with anybody. Now, am I going to say they're going to win the best of seven against Boston or Milwaukee? Debatable. Yeah. They'll win a couple Anything games at can least. Happen. Anything can happen. But I think for what this team is doing, I think a lot more teams are going to start watching. And I'm not going to say this is going to be the catalyst for going back to you know one superstar on a team and you build around them. Sure. Like it used to be in the 90s. Sure. And like I say, as, as I joke around about how much I like to slander Brooklyn uh, and the, the debacle that was Durant and Irving, I think in all seriousness, this goes to show that if you build up teams the right way, you can win championships, you can win games, and you don't have to break your organization on the way doing it. Mm-hmm. I think, unfortunately, Brooklyn is learning that the hard way, but I will applaud Joe Sy for making that decision about getting rid of everybody. Yeah. And and now we're finally going to see Kevin Durant out in uh, Phoenix this Wednesday? Yeah, uh, take, go, coming up this Wednesday where uh, – where is it? I just had it. Uh, they, there it is. Uh, the Phoenix Suns are taking on the Charlotte Hornets, and this is taking place from Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, which, I mean, this is going to be a real question mark to see how much he gels because I know – I mean, this is going to be the biggest media event going on in sports. Yeah, I was going to say, Charlotte's going to be handing out a lot of uh, press credentials for that game. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so. I mean, like, listen, love it or – you know, all kidding aside – Kevin Durant is a superstar. Yeah. Is he in that same conversation as LeBron and Kobe? Not in my opinion, because I'm sorry, because in in my honest opinion, the fact you needed to go get help to win a championship instead of bringing uh, help to you, I think really puts a big cloud over your your legacy. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's the way I see it. When you can't beat them and you have to join them, that's the problem. Yeah. And you're almost doing that in Phoenix, but that's going to be the question of that's supposed to be Devin Booker's team. Well, and especially you look at, too, you kind of look at the trajectory LeBron had where he started in Cleveland, went to Miami, and then went back to Cleveland, and he brought in pieces around him in Kyrie and then Kevin Love. Mm -hmm. And there were some other folks involved with that. But regardless, you look at Kevin Durant where, you know, started in Oklahoma City with with some guys who were good, but they weren't quite in their prime yet. Went to Golden State, won with them, and then went to Brooklyn, which was kind of like a similar trajectory with with LeBron, where mm. like one is one is chips, went to a team to really start something, and then it didn't pan out. Yeah, I mean that's the situation they have. But three years, one playoff win. Yeah, it's it's a crazy thing to think about, but I mean that's just how, in hindsight, building super teams can fail. Yeah, Phoenix has taken a big gamble with what they did, but I don't blame them for doing it. No. Because you got to get Devin Booker somebody. Right. Chris Paul, as much as he's been a solid player. He ain't got many more miles ahead of him. Right. Aiton, you don't know what you're getting out of him. And mm-hmm. you got to start thinking future. And, like, listen, if you can keep Kevin Durant there with Booker, that's a one two combination if they can play together. Well, and just how stacked that Western Conference is because you got Denver in the one seed who are no slouches. Also, Memphis, who, again, no slouches either. No, but they definitely got to remain off social media and quit Ooh. quit talking, just play. Yes. Uh, Sacramento, who, hey, it's a great story. We'll see what ends up happening. Phoenix is the four. Clippers at the five. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the Mavericks at the six. Golden State Warriors at the seven. And then Utah Jazz at the eight. Timberwolves at the nine. And New Orleans at the ten. Yeah. Like, there are no slouches for quite a few seeds there in the Western Conference. No, definitely not. The Western Conference is the conference to beat. And there's, and you can't take anything away from it. 
But I think now with Kevin Durant making his debut out there, it's going to be interesting to see how he mixes in. Yeah. And obviously with how Kyrie has been playing in Dallas and yeah. you know take that for what it is. Two two very interesting scenarios of how fast can you get this shit together? Yeah. Because you ain't got you got about what, three weeks worth of games? Give take. Give or take. And then it's gonna get really interesting heading into those playoffs. And that's why it's so important to keep everybody healthy and keep everybody active. And unfortunately for Los Angeles as in the Lakers, hey. a very devastating blow happened. Yeah, uh, so the Los Angeles Lakers currently sitting in the 12th seed uh, behind Portland. Uh, uh, so they're on the outside looking in, but they're also the reason we bring out the Lakers in, in untimely injuries uh, is because LeBron James is going to be out for an unspecified amount of time uh, because of a foot injury. Yeah, so if they're assessing him in two weeks, I'm going to say it's going. It, this is something that the Lakers are really going to have to keep their eye on, and especially that they are trying to fight for their playoff spot because they have to go into the playoff or the play-in, play-in, which yeah. sti- that still throws me off as an old school NBA fan. Yeah, but with LeBron now out, yeah, I don't want to say the season's done. Yeah, it's not looking good, but it's really not looking good. And then, oh, I'm sorry. Pat. Well, no, because you're saying get reassessed in two weeks. So he's going to be out at least the next two weeks. So he's, they're going to miss. Uh, these are the games you're going to miss. Uh, Memphis on the 28th. Oklahoma City on the 1st of March. Minnesota on the 3rd. Golden State on the 5th. Uh, Memphis on the 7th. Toronto on the 10th. The Knicks on the 12th. And then two weeks from when we record is going to be March 14th against the Pelicans. Which that is a the Memphis in the Memphis in there twice. Plus you got the Knicks. Plus you got Golden State. That's a lot of games to miss against some uh, very key adversaries. Yeah, that's going to be a very tough hill to overcome. It's not to say it's impossible, but it's going to be tough. I don't know. Need a lot of help. I just don't know if LeBron at this age can do it, and especially for the rest of the Lakers. Which I mean, they did make some moves at the trade deadline. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But is it enough to crown them and saying, like, that was enough to do? I mean, I think no. they're going to have to really assess this offseason what the future is going to be with LeBron. Because we do know he just wants to play one year with his son when he right. comes into the league. Right. Whatever team that's going to be. And then he's going to go off into retirement, which, I mean, he's definitely earned. No, he absolutely has. I, I don't think LeBron's going to be able to do it this year. Just and Listen, it's nothing against him. It's just the Western Conference is just too fucking loaded mm-hmm. with the teams ahead of him. Which, even if they're lucky... To, to make it into the play-in tournament and then win the play-in tournament to make it into the playoffs, okay, then you got to get past you know any one of the teams in Denver, M- Memphis, Sacramento, Phoenix, the Clippers, or Dallas. Yeah. Good fucking luck, my guy. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Especially when you are at less than 50% right now. That's the big problem. And I don't think that they're going to be able to overcome it. I think no. just the Western Conference is too stacked as we see Kevin Durant is finally going to link up with Phoenix. That's going to be big. Kyrie is playing decent with Luka in Dallas. That's going to be decent. The Clippers, you never know what you're going to get out of them. Excuse me. Yeah. Sacramento. Yeah. I mean, look, yeah. look at what's going on in the West. I mean, that's something that is going to be a challenge for anybody moving forward. But for LeBron and company, this might be a, the time they're going to have to just definitely powder out because it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. I just I don't see it happening. There's... Just way too much against them this season. Yeah. So there's no shame in not making the playoffs this year and then just reassess for next year. Because the West is now reloaded. I mean, in closing, Kevin Durant is now going to make his debut with Phoenix. Mm -hmm. That's big. Yeah. Kyrie is, well, so far so good in Dallas. He's doing Kyrie things. Yep. Sacramento is the Cinderella story of the year. They could make a deep run. 
Memphis just needs to learn to stay off social media and yeah. stop talking and just play, and they'll be fine. And then the rest of the Western Conference is going to shape up as it's going to shape up. On the Eastern Conference, I mean, a new contender has slowly emerged, and Boston and Milwaukee are going to have some competition. I'm not going to say it's going to be a, a, a complete two-team race in the East, but you definitely have to keep an eye on some of those lower teams making a run in there because now with Brooklyn's demise, it opens up a door for somebody else to get in. Mm-hmm. And how far somebody runs with that is anybody's guess. But it's a fun time to start watching the NBA again. And how about those Knicks? Hey. How about those Knicks? That being said, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the current state of the NBA? A lot of stories going around. Dame Lillard dropping 71. That definitely deserves a lot of praise. KD is now in Phoenix officially this week. So a lot of people are going to be watching that instead of other programs on Wednesday night. So you know that there is going to be a, quite a media stir going on with that game. Well, let's be honest. You're not missing much on Wednesday nights if you're not watching the NBA. This is very true. This is very true. And the Knicks, the story of the season thus far, six in a row since Josh Hart came to town. The team is playing team ball, not super team ball, and they're winning. What is this madness? Let's talk about it, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. It's Alan Dunford here from Top Hat Studios, co-writer and co-creator of Pocus Hocus and Grandma Chainsaw, and you guys are listening to the ODPH podcast. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got to talk local minute uh, because and so, uh, obviously the Binghamton Black Bears hockey and uh, looking at the standings for the Federal Prospects Hockey League, which is, of course, the league our local Binghamton Black Bears play in, and the Empire Division still in second place. Noticing a theme here. You know. Uh, Danbury's still in first place with a record of 30 wins, 6 losses, and then 5 losses in overtime or shootout. Binghamton in second place with a record of 26 wins, 11 losses, and then 3 losses in overtime or shootouts. Uh, And then looking at their busy schedule they had last week, they lost their game on Friday against the Carolina Thunderbirds by the final score of 4-3. Lost again on Saturday to the Carolina Thunderbirds by the exact same score. And would you believe it, let's go for a three-peat. Lost again on Sunday by the final score of... Four to three. Get out. Yeah, no. Get out. Yeah, uh, well, the, the second game was in overtime, but yeah, no, they lost all three games, four to three. Uh, looking ahead to their schedule, they have this upcoming week. They have a game on Wednesday, March 1st at 8.05 p.m. Eastern on the road, taking on the Mississippi Seawolves. Then they are also on the road on Friday, March 3rd uh, at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, taking on the Columbus River Dragons. And then they are on the road again on <clears throat> excuse me, Saturday, March 4th, playing the Columbus River Dragons at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. They do not return home until, wow, uh, they do not return home until Saturday, March 18th, so they're on the road for a little stretch. Uh, for more tickets, information, and all that good stuff, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. And, hey, friendly little reminder to the folks that run the Binghamton Black Bears website. Hi. Because, hi, you clearly must listen to the show because I would read off the promotional information because, hey, some people might be interested in that. Uh, February 4th was Star Wars night. You know, February 25th was teacher appreciation. February 24th was PA appreciation. February 26th was the kids game. I couldn't tell anybody that because for the entire month of February until some point between when we last recorded the episode and today as we record, uh, which little inside baseball was six days. You updated your promotional schedule with three games remaining on the on the schedule. Would have been better to just put up the March one. So, hey, here's your friendly reminder. 
please put up the March promotional schedule some point before the end of March so that I can tell the folks what's going on. Because, hey, some people might want to go to Star Wars night and see the specialty jerseys. Or there was, hey, February 17th was job fair slash ASHA night with a post-game skate. But I couldn't tell anybody that because you didn't update your site. So. Best, best thing you can do for those in the uh, front office that do listen to the show, first and foremost, we do appreciate you checking yeah, us out. Love, love the uh, product. Yes. Tweet it to Pad. Yeah. At Meslin on Twitter. Yeah. Just tweet it right to him because, you know what, he will have it plugged in his phone. He'll be ready to go with Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of local minutes, too, we got to give a shout-out to the Binghamton Bulldogs yet again. hey A monster win this past weekend, 94-88 to over the Wyoming Valley Clutch, the previously undefeated Wyoming Valley mm. Clutch in the ABA. So the Bulldogs definitely putting in some work. And shocker to no one, just announced ABA Top 25 poll as of February 27th. The Binghamton Bulldogs are back at number one uh, with a record of 17-1. and one. Wyoming Valley is right behind them at 14-1. and one. Baltimore Hawks, 14-1. and one. And the list goes on and on. So if you want to find out more about the Binghamton Bulldogs as they're getting ready to go into that postseason march, I believe, because we are in, heading to March, and that means March mm, Madness, and that yeah. means a lot of attorneys are going to be going on. Go follow them at BinghamtonBulldogs.com, or better yet, go find them on Facebook because they're very, very good about updating on Facebook well, a little more rapidly, in my opinion. So definitely give them a shout for the local teams because you know, pretty soon we're going to be talking Rumble Ponies because baseball is here. Yeah. But there really isn't anything going on in the Major League Baseball world other than... Other than Manny Machado signing an 11-year, $350 million deal at the age of 31. Yeah, don't get it. San Diego is fucking stupid. Don't get it. In um, our opinions. Oh, just, hey, hey, they're stuck with that shit. It's a full no-trade clause with no opt-outs. So they're paying that man until he's in his 40s. Beyond my comprehension on that uh-huh. one. Way they really want us. They really want a championship. They want something. Yeah. I just don't get it. Yeah. But let's end on a happy note that you and I Fuck yeah. can talk about. Fuck yeah. Because we always hear we need to talk more hockey. And if we're talking hockey, there's only one team we talk about hockey, and that's the New York Rangers. Damn it. Uh-huh. Big moves this past week going into the trade Money deadlines. Moves. Money moves, definitely. So one move to talk about that did fly under the radar in comparison to mm-hmm. the monster move that happened, and that was the Rangers finally dealt Vitaly Krasdorf mm-hmm. to Vancouver for Will Lockwood and a seventh-round yes. pick. Uh, Krasdorf, like, listen, that was the one of the times the Rangers had a top-ten pick and for just whatever reason, it didn't click. Like, Krasdorf was supposed to be the guy to just light the world on fire. Hey, some guys just can't handle the New York pressure. It's It was something with him. Uh, case in point, Carl Pavano. Yeah, it's just something he, you know, he just it never worked out in New York. Yeah. Albeit, though, yeah. when we got Panarin, Lafreniere, Mika, you know, like, when there's free agents to be added to the team, it just became tough of where you're going to find a place for him in the shuffle. So, yeah. like, listen, he does well in Vancouver, awesome to him. But uh, I'm more excited for... The player we just added as we are recording. Well, we added two players in like the last couple of weeks, too. Let's talk about it, Pat. Yeah, so uh, back on February 9th in a trade with the St. Louis Blues, uh, the New York Rangers acquired Nico uh, Mikola, defenseman, and then Vladimir Tarasenko. And then in return, the Blues acquired the 2023 first-round pick, uh, the 2024 fourth-round pick, uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff it can convey to a third pick and yada, yada, yada. Uh, and then also Samuel Blaze, a left winger, and then Hunter Skinner, defenseman. But the big news, the Rangers acquired right winger Vladimir Tarasenko. Yeah, you weren't here for that episode because that was the one that you were sick for. But since you are in the building, how are you feeling about that? I mean, listen, it's fucking offense. Give it to me. 
Yeah, no, he's he's been doing great for New York. So, like, listen, super excited to have him prospering in the Big Apple for the blue shirts. Yeah. Big moves. I love what they did, and then they were not done. No, they weren't. Coming in today as we record, the New York Rangers made a trade with the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks received a 2023 second-round pick, uh, could become a 2024 or a 2025 first-round pick, if the Rangers win two playoff rounds in the 2023, uh, and then also a 2023 fourth round pick in exchange for right winger, former uh, NHL champion, uh, won a whole bunch of other awards, Patrick Kane. Yes. Huge move. Huge. So just for a little bit of information, the potentials rain, potential Rangers power play unit. Listen to this shit. Vladimir Tarasenko. Mika Zibanejad. Patrick Kane, Artemi Panarin, and Adam Fox. That's a ridiculous lineup. It's a video game lineup. Seriously, they're going to be dropping six a game in, in, in their sleep. They need to. You know, I, I will say this. I love the aggressiveness of the front office. Chris yeah. Drury, Chris Drury has really stepped it up. I You know, I knew after we did the dismantling of the front office, I was very skeptical. Sure, and understandably so. Yeah, understandably. But they have rallied around and really put – together a monster on this team didn't really give up a lot no draft picks no draft picks is, Couple, is like surprise. draft picks and two players yeah and the craziest thing too because uh, i'm clicking on espn to just get some more background on this chicago's retaining 50 percent of kane's 10.5 million dollar contract that helps that's huge and arizona is in the mix with this as well so arizona is going to get a 2025 third round pick from the rangers for the deal as well so huh. So the Rangers ain't paying shit other than the stuff. Pretty much. So, yeah, the article on ESPN.com, the quote, the deal is expected to become official after 5 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday when New York has accrued the appropriate amount of cap space to fit in Kane's contract. Chicago will retain 50% of Kane's $10.5 million contract, sources told ESPN, and the Arizona Coyotes signed on to take 50% of that, meaning Kane will will count for only $2.625 million against the Rangers' cap. Yeah. Wow. It's wild. It's it's very, very crazy. I don't know if I've ever heard of a deal like that in any sport where, like, a third team's involved, but all they're doing is taking on money. That's wild. Well, you know, for involving draft picks, it's like sometimes that works out. I mean, it's it's weird to put together, but to see that Kane is leaving that Chicago team that won the Cup. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's bittersweet because, you know, he was just a guy that didn't want to leave, but now he's going. But... He's going to a great situation for him. Oh, my God, yeah. So, and especially, like I say, after... Born in the, Buffalo, interestingly. Yeah, after the Tarasenko move, I didn't think they were going to go for him, to be honest with you. I thought, I, thought, I thought the same thing. I thought, well, shit, this takes us out of Patrick Kane. Yeah, I was like, okay, well, you know, if it does, it does. But they, the fact they got him for cheap, and especially, I know he's coming back from a hip injury, if I'm not mistaken. I know he's, he's working away right. from an injury. So... If he can come back and just give solid minutes, like we don't. The the great thing about this is he's a scorer. He can definitely do some things, but we don't necessarily need him to no. be the Patrick Kane. No, you know you get what I'm saying. You, you get him for his playoff experience. I mean, because I, I pulled up his awards and achievements. Uh, just in the NHL alone, Calder Memorial Trophy winner in 2008 uh, was on the All Rookie Team that same year. 
uh, been in the All-Star Game one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. Three-time Stanley Cup champion. Three-time NHL first All-Star All-Star team. Mm-hmm. Uh, won the Conn Smythe Trophy in 2013, the Art Ross Trophy in 2016, the Hart Memorial Trophy in 2016, the Ted Lindsay Trophy Award in 2016, and was on the NHL all, second All-Star team in 2019. Oh, by the way, he was on the IIHF World Under-18 Championship All-Star Team in 2006, the World Junior Ice Hockey Championships All-Star Team in 2007. He won a silver medal in the Winter Olympics in 2010, and he was the Ice Hockey World Championship MVP in 2018. This all To quote DJ Khaled, all he does is win. Yeah, and especially if he can help bring a, a cup to New York. Like How big this move is, is... Like I don't know if I can put it in words. Like I'm not saying this is what's going to give us the cup. I always I it, thought we, it pushes the odds up a little bit. It definitely pushes the odds up, but it just depends on how the young team can rally around a veteran like him that that has been in the playoffs. And I think that he understands too about getting that extra gear. You know when mm-hmm. they when they ran out of steam last year. I mean they played a lot of hockey. I don't fault them for yeah, losing. Yeah, what was it? Back to back game sevens. In, in, yeah, in, in overtimes for yeah. a lot of times? Yeah, like I say, the, the stretch run they had against Carolina, I thought broke them, to be honest with you. And the fact they got out to that hot start against Tampa Bay, like I thought, like, okay, maybe we're going to do it. And then, right. you know, they just, a veteran team took over. It was, it's kind of like when Mayweather fought McGregor in, in boxing. <laughs> yeah. You let him get a couple rounds and then you take over. Like, it's a situation like that that I think Kane is going to be able to help guide a lot of that young talent moving forward right and really kind of hone in on what this team is going to be made of and like i say between that and god i can't believe i'm actually saying this truba yeah stepping up and being in the captain role and firing this team up and, yeah. and saving the coach's job it is just it's, it's awesome to watch this team but it's so weird too he's going to be that calming veteran presence that like when if they get in a scenario where they're down a couple goals you know maybe down a game or two in the playoffs he can go hey listen we got this. Yeah. You know, don't worry. This ain't over. You know, we still got X number of games to play. You know, they're not going to freak out. They're not going to panic, and they're going to step up. Yeah, that's what they need to do, especially. Uh, and unfortunately, there was an incident that did happen. Keandre Miller got suspended yeah. for three games for accidentally spitting on uh, Los Angeles Kings defenseman Drew Doughty. He, he apologized after the game. He apologized for it. Uh, forfeited salary that, um, according to ESPN.com, goes to the Players Emergency Assistance Fund. So yep. he did He did own up to it. I mean, it was yeah. an, he said it was an accident. Yeah, I, I say looking at the video, I don't think that was intentional. Yeah, I don't think it was intentional either, but he owned up to it, and he apologized to Doughty. Everything's cool there. Yeah, they, they spoke. Yeah, so, you know, he's going to serve the timeout. There's no question of that, and, yeah. you know. It it like I said, Keandre is a big part of this team moving forward. So I think for anybody that was yeah. thinking this was intentional, that he's never shown this in this side of his character before. Yeah. So I no. I, I can't say this is something that, that that's another thing they were t- um, they were talking about it a lot on the Michael K show today and uh, uh, Don Lagreca who calls some of the games was even saying that like that was so out of character for him that like if, if you got a Don Lagreca who's called Raiders games for a while mm-hmm. saying this ain't like him then I believe him. I do too. So like I say, it doesn't take anything away from the big Rangers wins. The Blue Shirt Nation stand the puck up. We're coming to get that cup, baby. So, hey, if you want to see Patrick Kane in a Rangers jersey, the game, uh, their next game is on Wednesday, uh, March 1st, uh, against the Philadelphia Flyers, where the game will be on TNT. Well, I know what I'm watching Wednesday night. Yep. Not that there was ever any question about that because it's the Rangers. It's Wednesday night. This is true. Enough said. And for anything else that is the ODPH podcast, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. Pat, I believe that's all we got for this week. Am I wrong? 
No, that's all we got. That's definitely all we got because I'm trying to think if there's anything else because there's a lot of sports that we were talking about. I mean, the only thing I can think of is fuck the Astros. Well said, Pad. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. Punch. Cause they can't bring